Welcome to Every Believer Confident, hosted by Dr. Mark Farnham, where we explore in seven minutes or less how to effectively share and defend your faith. This is apologetics for the average Christian, with ideas and practical principles that can help you this week as you engage unbelievers with the good news of the gospel. Let's go get some confidence. Welcome back to the Every Believer Confident Podcast. This is Dr. Mark Farnham, founder and director of Apologetics for the Church, a local church apologetics training ministry, where in the course of one weekend, the average Christian can gain confidence to share and defend his or her faith. If you are interested in hosting an apologetics conference at your church, you can contact me at apologeticsforthechurch.org. We've been discussing the various consequences of the suppression of the truth in the heart of the unbeliever. Going back a few episodes, we are talking about Romans 1, where the Bible clearly says every unbeliever knows God and in some way is suppressing the truth of God. We've talked about the various ways people have suppressed the truth through distraction, through religion, through addiction. We could add more to those, but now we're talking about the effects that that has on a person's heart and mind and soul. We've already covered the first two consequences of suppression, that is self-deception and irrationality. In this episode, we are looking at the third consequence of suppression in the heart and mind of the unbeliever, and that is that suppression leads to idolatry. When a person deceives himself long enough, rejects the truth that he knows to be true, he begins to think irrationally. And when irrationality takes root in the heart, he will do what no clear-headed person would do. He worships false gods. The irrationality is so strong at this point that the ludicrous nature of his actions escapes the unbeliever. In Isaiah 44, verses 9 to 20, Isaiah describes the irrationality of idolatry in vivid terms. He says a man will go into the forest, chop down a tree, and haul it home. With half the log of wood, he makes a fire and cooks his dinner over it. He takes the other half a log to a craftsman who carves it into an idol and overlays it with gold. And then that man will bow down, fall down, and worship the idol, even though it is nothing more than firewood. This is the height of self-deception and irrationality. Yet it is no different than many people in the modern world today who worship what they know cannot restore them to God or satisfy the brokenness of their souls. People worship all kinds of objects, values, and abstract ideas. To worship means to give oneself over to and to find one's significance in. And the truth is, everybody worships something. While few people in the West would worship something like a carved idol anymore, think about the various things people do worship. They worship success. They worship money. They worship fame. They worship security, affirmation. You'll notice that some of these things are not necessarily wrong in themselves, but when they became that which gives us our identity— that we give ourselves over to and dedicate every effort to, it becomes an idol. And the truth is, even the most hardened atheist worships something. A few years ago, there was a, a young novelist named David Foster Wallace, who was considered a rising star in American literature. He gave a commencement speech at Kenyon University that spoke powerfully to the inescapable urge to worship in humans. 
Wallace was a lifetime atheist, yet in his commencement speech, he said something that challenged the whole notion of atheism. He said this, Because here's something else that's weird but true. In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. Think about that. Here's an atheist who says everybody worships. He goes on, The only choice we get is what to worship. And the compelling reason for maybe choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship, be it JC, that is Jesus, or Allah, be it Yahweh, or the Wiccan Mother Goddess, or the Four Noble Truths, or some other inviolable set of ethical principles, is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. He says if you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough, never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you'll die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. Worship power, and you'll end up feeling weak and afraid. And you will need ever more power over others to numb you to your own fear. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. And then he concludes with this, but the insidious thing about these forms of worship is they're unconscious. On one level, we all know this stuff already. Think about that. He says, we know these things to be true. He says, the whole trick is keeping the truth up front in daily consciousness. In this quote, David Foster Wallace confirms the teaching of Romans 1, that everybody worships something. And sadly, not long after he gave that speech, David Foster Wallace took his own life. The truth is, whatever an individual worships that is not God is an idol. So even atheists who often argue that they don't worship anything cannot escape the fact that they do attach their hopes to various things. They do find their identity in their job, in their profession, in their money, in their success, in their popularity, in their affirmation from others, in their affection. And if that thing was taken away, life would not seem to be worth living. That's the very definition of an idol. And as David Foster Wallace and Romans 1 say, we cannot escape being worshipers. So the next time that you're engaged in a conversation about the gospel with an unbeliever, ask yourself, what does this person value more than anything else in the world? What is it that gives them their identity? What, if taken away from them, would make life not worth living? And in future episodes, we'll talk about how to go after those things to show that they will fail and how to present the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ as the only solution. Hey, if you listen on iTunes, I would love it if you would give a five-star review and write some words of encouragement for others to listen to this podcast also. I pray that this week God will give you opportunities to engage unbelievers with the powerful gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information on how you can host a practical apologetics conference at your church or to listen to past episodes, please visit apologeticsforthechurch.org.